Hello, bold and conscious leader. Welcome to our new and refreshed 2022 season of the Bold Conscious Connections podcast, where we bring to you people who have shown special courage, character, and consistency to express themselves fully. After all, as long as we're alive, we want to live a full life, don't we? So our guests that we bring demonstrate that they do not want to die with their gifts because we're all meant to be given gifts that we share with others. And this is how we play our part in raising our collective consciousness in this world through this podcast called Bold Conscious Connections. So without further ado, let me bring on our guest today. If there is one living master of wisdom, it is Guy Finley. Oh my God. This conversation I had with him is just full of nuggets that you must listen to. If there's one episode you want to listen to, it's this one. So who is Guy Finley? Guy Finley is the best-selling author of more than 45 books and audio albums on self-realization, including The Secret of Letting Go, The Essential Laws of Fearless Living, and his newest book, Relationship Magic, Waking Up Together. He's the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual discovery located in Southern Oregon. Guy is a faculty member at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, and at 1440 Multiversity. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Guy Finley. <laughs> wow. Here we are. Technology. Sorry for the folks who are waiting for this thing to start. Uh, welcome. I appreciate your patience with this uh, technology glitch we just had. So before we begin, um, I want to express my sincere appreciation for all of those that are uh, certainly joining in. And if you couldn't join in, hopefully we'll be able to send you a recording, um, certainly to the audience. But of course, most of all, to to Guy Finley, who uh, has been s such a force uh, for me to reckon with, and, and, and I've learned so much from him. So for those of you who may not have read of, about Guy or read up on him, Guy Finley is the best-selling author of more than 45 books and audio albums on self-realization, including The Secret of Letting Go and The Essential Laws of Fearless Living. He's the founder and director of Life of Learning Foundation, a nonprofit center for spiritual discovery located in Southern Oregon. This conversation is live on LinkedIn and some other social media platforms, which shall remain unnamed at this point, given what we just went through. Um, <laughs> So in, in, in some cases, we'll be able to see your comments. In other cases, perhaps not. And uh, the extent you, you'd like to uh, ask a question of Guy, which I will uh, pick up at the end of this conversation uh, as we finish our core, core conversation. So do put three question marks in front so I can, I can identify the questions you want to ask Guy during this, during this chat. Um, that will be helpful so that I'm not able to otherwise see all the, all the chat that's going on, which please feel free to chat and enter anything you like, uh, commentary, et cetera, but, but certainly uh, do use three question marks so that we can pick up your questions quickly. Guy, thank you again for your time and honoring us with your presence, as well as your wisdom, which, which I, can, I know all about. So without further ado, I, for one, have been a major beneficiary of, of it throughout these past few years that I've been following you. So the topic today is has your business or career become your life or is the life your real business 
I chose this topic. I was uh, inspired by a conversation you were having a couple of weeks ago, Guy, and one of the people came up uh, to say, well, this is how that person's life is. And I triggered in my head that all a lot of people who are uh, joining here are perhaps in the mode of identifying themselves with just their careers and business and other things kind of go off track. Because many of us in the business world often look at our work as a primary yardstick of our life's our mission, our definition of success, and ultimately our identity. And then decades go by and we find ourselves unfulfilled. And we call that our inevitable midlife, as if it's supposed to have a midlife crisis in your life. So this has been the case for generations, though. We know that. What do you think has caused this and what needs to fundamentally change? So your initial sort of setting the stage for us will be good so that we dive into more questions. So, I mean, we all don't know why things happen, but certainly if anyone has an insight, I know it's you. Well, first, I think we should clarify this idea. I know that we're talking primarily to individuals that are interested in what you do and you're a, you help guide people, I assume, through uh, achievement and business and things related to that. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about business uh, of ours as a career or whether I am someone who believed that becoming a housewife would uh, do the trick, volunteering for some organization. The real bottom line is independent, is that we have become a human beings who have a completely mistaken identity. And because of that mistaken identity that aligns us with whatever the path our life has taken, we feel like that path is somehow connected to who and what we are and what we still need to do and become in order to be whole and happy. And as you said, correctly so. There's not a person on this planet, I assume, that doesn't reach that point where they they look and they and they see the mirror, they look at their accounts, whatever it is that they look at, and, and what's reflected back to them is still lacking, incomplete. And I think, Raju, that the reason this is so is that we, as men and women, live from a mind, a level of consciousness that is always on its way somewhere. It's always becoming something. So our days literally start when our eyes open in the morning and there's already a taskmaster telling us, you've got to go do this, you've got to get this done in the simplest ways. You know, we had a lot of problems getting started online today. I could watch you. I know you were doing, you were, you know, doing your best to keep composure, but, you know, I could basically see and hear all these little people in you, you know, snapping their whip. Come on, Raju, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then we, we take all of that sensation all of those thoughts and feelings as being somehow proof that who and what I am depends upon pulling this off again. Correct. So our life is connected, whether again, a business, housewife, plumber, accountant, volunteer. I, I, my life is never where I am. It's always where I'm going. And to me, what I am depends on where I'm going and how well it's unfolding. And if it's not going well and unfolding, and this is important, the way I've imagined it should unfold, then in those moments I start to feel stress and anxious. I start to feel incomplete. And the key here to the first part of this conversation is that I am looking at what I imagine needs to happen so that this imagined nature 
who's busy trying to figure out how to get everything to line up with what he wants so he can feel real, that when I live from an imagined life, I'm going to continually run into one crisis or another. I call a crisis, Raju, a close encounter of the truthful kind. A crisis is a close encounter of the truthful kind, and we run into them all the time. Because what is the nature of that crisis other than a sudden shock when th certain things happen, people speak to me in a certain way, I hear ideas that suddenly upset me, when who and what I have imagined myself to be and what I imagine needs to happen so that I can be me runs into a wall. And the real business of life is not about running into walls. It's about realizing that something in us keeps building walls without our knowing it. Im imagine for a moment, Raju. Here I am, and I decide, you know, I'm a fairly busy person. I, I run a foundation. You know, we have pretty busy. So here I am, and my I get open my eyes in the morning, and my mind goes, you know, you got to prepare for that, this, that, and then there's the other, and then there's these emails, and you know, you've got people waiting for these things from you. I wake up in the morning like that. If I'm pained and stressed by that, you tell me what does that moment that I am in have to do with that kind of pain or anxiety? And the only answer there can be is that I believe that who and what I am absolutely depends upon succeeding according to what I've imagined success is. Now look at the contradiction. I'm sitting there a stressed mess because I've imagined what success is. You see, that's a contradiction, isn't it? Yes. So I was getting at that because in the beginning, because that's the life we live. And, you know, we got to make certain decisions and not have that imagined self of how this podcast is going to go or this live event is going to go or this thing has to be done. Um, but you got to move in the in the moment. And sometimes it's what's meant to be. So I'll come to the point about that in a minute. You had said something a couple of weeks ago, something about life is moving through us versus what we experience. I mean, this goes to the heart of the topic that I don't necessarily focus on helping business people to do certain things, just to, to clarify, actually bring business people or otherwise to know that their life is where the focus needs to be. And, yes. you know, if they're overwhelmingly doing one thing versus another and to the expense of another, and again, people have talked about life balance, you know, et cetera, but, but it is part of the balancing act all day long, right? So, but if all of your life is in is in the work work aspect of it. I'm not saying you shouldn't be working, but there's other ways to to balance that. Yes. So yeah. po point about life is moving through us. I always like the fish example. Like it's as if we are fish looking for water when we're in it. Or exactly. the ocean versus the drop of the ocean. So the order of being and this the fact that this is all upside down, could you please uh, highlight some of that so that we can share this with the audience? Our primary sense of self is derived by the belief that who and what I am depends upon getting the events outside of me to align with and confirm me as I've imagined myself to be. That nature, this consciousness that imagines itself, which is the real principal problem, because all I know about myself is what I've imagined I need to do in order to fulfill whatever it is that my environment, my culture, 
my family, whatever it is that's moved me through this life, it's always looking for something to come back and give it a confirmation of itself. But the fundamental issue here, Raju, is that this movement that we see and events out here, and I, I want to clarify right away. Look, what Raju is saying is true. We are, each and every one of us, in this world, where we are, with what we have and what we have done so far. I'm 30, 40, 50 years old. I have a family. I have a business. I have a career. I have. I, I cannot just, well, I won't say I cannot, but it's unlikely that I'm just going to suddenly have the light go off like St. Paul and boom, I'm done. I must use what I have in order to discover my own possibilities instead of allowing my imagined possibilities use me as some kind of foil so that I'm always being beat over the head by not living up to what I've imagined my life is might be. I'm trying to reach a difficult point here, Raju. We cannot control life. It is an illusion that we can. And it has paid that illusion at a tremendous cost because the more I try to control the world outside of me that I think I'm moving through so that when I get to where I've imagined I need to get to, the more stressed and anxious and frightened I am drained by trying to make everything continue to align with what I need it to align with. And the reason I need it to do that is because my identity is completely wrapped up in this idea of somehow I must make life fit what I think it needs to be so I can be free. Now, I'm pointing to an essential contradiction here, Raju. The very life that I imagine I need in order to be free is my captivity. Because the moment that life isn't the way I've imagined it being, am I free or am I suddenly a struggle to try to make you, them, this or that match what it is that I need it to be so I can get back to what I call my life. Now, on the other side of that is the fact that I am all the time being given a life, not a life that I've imagined, but a life that is literally inseparable from my awareness of it. Something is always pouring into us, Raju. Simple example, you tell the listeners, what was pouring into you when we were having problems getting started? And if I don't know that maybe fear or anxiety or nervousness is pouring into me, then I become the instrument of those reactions. And if I become an instrument of my own reactions, then who is it that's living my life? Am I here to serve my nervousness, my ambition, my fear? Is that what my life is? Or is my life intended to be predicated on an entirely different platform that allows me to use everything that comes into me to bring about an awareness of all of the possibilities in the moment? Because let's say I'm a businessman. I, again, I run a foundation and, and we're having a broadcast and the thing just gives out midstream. Or we have some problem with something that we're working on 
and it's going to cost three times what that we thought that platform was going to cost. It's endless, as you know. Yes. When I live from something that believes who I am depends upon this going exactly the way I want it, then in that moment, what is my life? What's the nature of it? What are my choices, Raju, when I'm afraid or anxious? Am I the one choosing to rush? Am I the one choosing to, to be anxious and try to you know figure this angle so I can get everything back is that really who I am? Because to go back to what you said, isn't that the very nature of our dissatisfaction in life? That here I've done all of this to get to this place in my life, and just like that, I can be reduced to a man or a woman who is afraid and anxious, and by the way, returned right back to the very consciousness that started me on that path, telling me that if I could just get all that worked out, then I would be finally free of this anxiety or this fear or this sense of inadequacy. That's the crisis. It happens over and over again. Only we ignore it. We believe that it's possible somehow or other that this time I'll deal with this in such a way that I won't be delivered into the hands of this reactive nature. Except the problem with that is it never happens. So what we do and what I'm talking to you about, as you well know, is how can I use those moments? Because those are the real moments of life that show me something about my life, and if I'm honest, prove that everything that I've been doing to try to make myself into a man who is innocent, kind, quiet, patient, none of that has produced anything. Do I have lots of possessions? Maybe. But I can see, as Thoreau would say, I'm as possessed by my possessions as I possess them. And that doesn't work for me. If it works for you, that's great. Well, that's so insightful because I mean, we can sit there and talk about all the struggles. You know, as business people, everybody wants to know what's the solution. And we'll come to that. I know you have probably some exercises here. But one question, I have some questions that I received from the audience already. And one of them is pertinent. So rather than me asking it, it's great that they raised this. I'll tell you privately who that person is. And it goes like this. How do you distinguish then the personality who's the projector and the conduit of the action in terms of an image to the world? while inwardly not attaching to that image while you're in the middle of the action? Yeah, that's a good question. Obviously, based in, the, in, in seeing some of the truth of what we're talking about. Yes. You know, last night, I, I speak at the foundation three, two or three, three times a week. And last night, we had a meeting online. It's all the, all, they're all free, as you know. Yep. And somebody asked a question, a student I've known for some time, although never met, and and the question was essentially the rooted in essentially the same wasn't asked as intelligently but my answer to the question cuts through all of the hyperbole what do i have if i'm afraid raju who am i if i who am i what is what's the quality of my life if i believe that how you view me or how the world measures me as a human being what, what what's the quality of my life so we have all of these ways that we can kind of bat around this, this, this essential conflict because the conflict isn't between me and the world that gives me or denies me what I want. This is our view. So all of our thinking is how do I shape what I call myself into something that can be at once what I hope that I can be, a spiritual man, a spiritual woman, and at the same time, out there in the world, doing what I want to get what I need to be the man I've imagined myself to be. They don't go together. 
there has to be a beginning. There has to be a root. And it doesn't matter how many plants I put in the garden. 62 spiritual ideas, 38 business ideas. If my life can be taken over in any moment by a hatred, an anxiety, a worry, a fear, a resentment, thinking about an enemy, if my life can be taken over at any moment like that, hating myself, criticizing myself, all of the things that come when life challenges who and what we think we are, if my life in that split second, if my identity becomes that, you tell me what I've been able, like Christ said, what, what have I added to my stature? And the answer is, and I don't want the answer, nothing. Because here I am, and again, my life is, my sense of self is determined by a reaction. Now, to the question your son asked, connected to that, well, what do I do with these reactions? Because I can't stop them, nor are we intended to stop them. But we are intended as a human being, and we are given the capacity to do so, to place the first priority as the observation of my interior life as it is triggered by the exterior conditions. So that before I allow any triggering to produce this reaction and then my reality predicated on trying to get everything straightened out again, I'm always sitting in that moment of awareness that will not contradict or compromise itself. And that's where we are in this life. We are human beings who have compromised themselves making this planet a hell. Our relationships all topsy-turvy, full of conflict, because I believe that unless you confirm me the way I want to be confirmed, if you don't speak to me in very quiet tones, if you don't applaud like snapping your fingers and all the rest of that nonsense so we don't set people off, all of that has become the, the, the burden of our existence, but not because the world is that way, but because this consciousness has created the world in its own image. And so we have to start with that, Raju. I have to start with an absolute willingness to be aware of the quality and content of my life as it is being brought up in me. And if that reaction comes up and it tells me, you know what, this isn't going well, You're, this is terrible, you might as well not get out of bed today, uh, you know, or you've got to get in there and you've got to fight with that person. If I live from that consciousness, I get what that consciousness gives me, which is constant conflict with the world. Believing that one day through conflict, I'll come to a peaceful life doesn't happen. Can't happen. Wow. Well, digest that, folks. That's the fundamental, right? That's that's basic to everything we're talking about as far as if there is a solution, is a solution. The solution and the problem are intertwined and we are. Yes. So I've always loved this this notion as well uh, in your wisdom classes, uh, Guy. No creature can exist independent of the relationship that sustains it, meaning no creation is complete by itself. I love that perspective so much. I just think you're the only guy that can actually explain this for those of us who are in the context of this topic we've been talking about, identity with work uh, or careers and to the detriment of everything else. Can you expand on that notion, please? Sure. Uh, it's something that I love dearly because unless we have some basis of understanding of that, we're, we're cut off from all there is, which is the point. Yes. So... You know, I, I live in Southern Oregon, and if I if I were a little more adventurous, I'd pick up my laptop and turn it around so you could see this fabulous gray day. There's just enough light and just enough heavy cloud in the background to create all of this dimension of the trees and all of the creatures that are outside my window here, the, the birds and the deer and the squirrels. 
my friends, and there isn't one moment here, not one of these creatures, that exists independent of each other. Everything in nature is obviously connected, and not just connected physically, but connected in an invisible quantum field, a web of relationship, so that nothing is scriptural. A blade of grass, a bird doesn't fall from the sky, that the divine doesn't know it. There is this innate field that all things are connected to, and that the success of nature and the individual creatures in nature is intimately in this constant movement where everything is coming in, everything is being touched, everything is being refreshed, everything is dying, everything is being born again. It never stops. It is eternal. It is the great paradigm. And if that's true that everything's connected and everything in nature, its life is derived relatively effortlessly. Christ said, consider the lilies of the field. They neither spin nor toil. Yet, in, you know, nobody has more than that. So you and I, what do we do? We just spin and toil all day long. And here's the point, right to what I said to you earlier. If I'm afraid, what am I connected to? See, and I, my mind doesn't want to deal with that because I'm so used to being afraid. If I'm anxious about tomorrow, what am I connected to? Because my whole life is predicated on trying to figure out how to make tomorrow not anxious or more secure. But you, you see, they go together. You can't try to make something more secure that doesn't begin with anxiety. So my, my life is all the time disconnected. And, and in this incredibly crazy circle, the more disconnected I feel, the more I try to connect to what I imagine will stop me from feeling that. That's called reincarnation at all levels. Just the, the rebirth of the same identity because what it imagined it needed to have isn't happening. So now it's going to go make what it needs to have. And the more it identifies with what it needs to have, the more afraid it is that it won't get what it's imagined. So what am I connected to? See, that's the whole issue, Rashu. The inner determines the outer. It's reversed for us. As above, so below, the hermetic teachings. As within, so without. But for us, as without, that's what's within. And as without doesn't give me what I want, I'm without my life. And the more I'm without my life, the more I look out there to give me a life. And you can see, in very spiritual terms, that's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Now, that is rooted in the past of what we've been taught and trained to be because we don't know. We just come into this world that already exists with all these systems, notions of whatever, depending on when you were born. And then we, we don't understand because we've not been taught. Sorry, I just maybe yeah, I, I don't want this to be, I don't want this to be too esoteric, Raju, but I mean, please show me the past. Show me the future. You can't show me the past. You can pull a picture out of Raju when he was a young buck. I can imagine, guys, sometime ne next week, I got to go to L.A., but is that the future? Is that the past? Or is the past and the future merely something that this consciousness carries with it and projects from it? Why does my life repeat itself, Raju? If I was afraid yesterday and I didn't learn from it, by God, I'm going to be afraid today. And if I don't learn from the fear today, by God, I'm going to be afraid tomorrow. 
So is the fear yesterday or the fear tomorrow, or is the fear the hub a consciousness that wherever it goes creates life in its own image? So that's what we call the past is the re-experiencing of ourselves or going into memory and then experiencing the content of our own consciousness. And by the way, the content of our own consciousness that was made in our image while whatever was happening was happening. So I don't know about you. My wife tells me all the time, we have two completely different memories of our life. <laughs> How can that happen? How can there be two completely different memories? And by the way, because there's two completely different memories, two completely different futures that we hope for. That's crazy. Yep. <laughs> Um, wow. I relive myself, Raju, until I understand that the self I'm living isn't I. So that's this the conscious who am I? itself. This consciousness relives itself. That's all it can do. Because it doesn't, because my identity depends upon this, this matrix of memory meeting imagination. And when memory runs into imagination and imagination doesn't confirm the memory of myself, when I say to myself, I want to be a successful person, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We should be the most successful person we can be, but we need a pretty good definition of success. That's right. Because the one we have doesn't work unless success for us is the idea of having to carry around all the weight of the past and try to make the future match it. If killing myself is the definition of success, we've done it. And we keep doing it. But this, but this consciousness, I am presently, without knowing it, who identify with as it's given to me to identify with. Meaning, I'm sitting here, I have a reaction. I've always taken the sensation of those reactions to be the same as who I am. And when I look at and have this reaction and the sensation of it, and I don't want it, then I believe, Raju, that I am something other than the reaction. I can't be this fearful person. That's not how I have imagined myself to be. And the truth is, Raju, no human being needs to imagine who they are. You are who you are. And if I've imagined my life as a certain kind of person, then when I can't have my life as I've imagined it, then I think I'm a mess. I think I've failed. So getting ahead of a question that's coming in, I know it'll come. What am I supposed to do? How do, I, how do I navigate this life? I have to start by seeing that if I start in the wrong place, there's nothing I'm going to do that's going to bring me to the right place. I didn't, these aren't my rules. I don't, I don't make this stuff up as I go. <laughs> and, and it's sobering. I'm 40, 50, 60 years old. My whole life is invested in my business, in my family, in the relationships I've cultivated. And by the way, cultivated in order to support the idea I have about myself. That's right. And how do I know that's true? Because if you don't agree, you're off with your head. I have to, I have to be willing to recognize that. Then if I have a, what I would call a first love, my first obligation, if I have that, then everything can begin to, to have an, a new way in which I'm able to look at these things. I'm sorry if this is dissatisfying. 
I want more than I'm able to say to convey that it's possible for a man or a woman, even while they're sitting and watching us and listening to us, to be aware of not just what we're saying and to be aware of not just what, what we're talking about brings up in them, but to be aware of both at the same time so that then my life is the experience of what's moving through me, the experience of the awareness of that movement, and in the awareness of that movement, the intelligence not to compromise myself by going along with some fearful, anxious, or worried thought, some confusion that comes in, believing in the sensation of confusion as somehow another what I need to feel in order to stop being confused is like using a fan to straighten out a stack of papers. It doesn't work. The more I'm aware of that, the more I'm rooted in the present moment. The more I'm rooted in the present moment, the more unlikely it is that I'll punish myself by identifying with something that has always called itself me, but that's not. So somebody had asked, so are there ways you would suggest that I can feel financially and, and otherwise secure, and otherwise secure, be more easeful about my existence, and pursue my mission and still be healthy and have meaningful relationships? You know, we, we just don't want to see it. I mean, all of us. Yep. You will never feel financially secure. I don't care if you have a hundred gazillion dollars. You will never feel financially secure. And you know why? Because there'll be days when you get a check. There'll be days when the account balances. There'll be days when money comes flowing in and you think, God, I've done it. This is fantastic. And then because life belongs to a cycle, a ceaseless change, the conditions will change. And because you have been identified with a certain modicum, a certain kind of home, a certain kind of approval rating, because you're identified with that, the minute it's challenged, out the window goes your security. And then in that moment, please God that it should be seen. In that moment, I need to realize I have for my whole life been trying to acquire something that cannot be given to me by myself, period. And I have no examples by and large in this world, because everything I look at sings the praises of the billionaires, sings the praises of the political and religious leaders as somehow they're a caste apart from ourselves, each and every one having acquired that which I don't have, but by God, I'll get it one day. And that's called ambition. That ambition is the destruction of this planet, not the creation of a life that feels secure, because the ambition is predicated in a self-punishing image that believes that if I could just do or be this, then one day I won't do and be that. It doesn't happen. This and that go together, as you know, Raju. They're not separate. You can't serve two masters. You will love one and despise the other. That's the meaning of that teaching. A consciousness divided cannot stand, not just the conditions that challenge it, it can't stand itself. So it's always trying to change itself. That's what we call ambition to create a world outside of me, a kingdom made in my own image. And if it's not clear, every kingdom we make in our own image will be our prison, period. Well, yeah, <laughs> everything, everything I'm hearing, you know, rings true to me. And I hope it is for people still watching, if they're listening and watching and identifying and, and seeing how, what their experience has been in life. And, you know, is, is this resonating? Because that is really the essence of what life is. And Raju, it, it doesn't mean that I don't go to work 
It doesn't mean if I want to build a business, I, I'm drawn. If, if I'm drawn to that, I have to go do it. That's right. But I have to go do it as an intelligent man, an intelligent woman who realizes the, the process of building a kingdom isn't so that I can sit on a throne. The process of building a kingdom is so that I can learn about the builder. Not that I identify with my building, but so that I can become a human being who uses this desire, who uses this longing, who uses this ambition. I can't get rid of ambition. I, I was, I'm, I'm called to it. It's like I, you, we grow up in a garden of, of an unconscious world that grows all the things. And you're not going to escape that garden, but by God, I can learn about it so clearly that like the ugly duckling, one day I look around and I realize, you know what? I, I was, I got fooled. I, I was deceived. And then I can begin the process of turning back around and using all of these things in a much greater way so that I'm given more and more insight and understanding. Now I'm using my career instead of my career using me. We've come full circle. So on that uh, point, and I want to go into thoughts because the thought as a man thinketh type of thought is all about our identification of the imagined identity that we've covered already. So I'm going to move to this yes. next. You know, some of the mainstream leaders today have started to give more focus to well-being with themselves, their employees, etc., uh, largely recently driven by the pandemic, which is encouraging employees to have a better balance of life and, and work. There have been CEOs like uh, Mickey uh, Stringer who've written books about surrender, letting go. Of course, that's been your life uh, for 45 years. Besides having these conversations that we're doing once in a while, uh, what is the way that, that we can make these practices of surrender or letting go mainstream? I mean, because if leaders are influencers, they have an impact on lives of several employees and team members and their families indirectly. If I'll ask you to be the advocate here, if saying, oh, God, look at this, I surrender, was the answer, then I'd have surrendered, and I wouldn't be troubled anymore. <laughs> so, so, you know, s surrender for the mainstream is a Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. The drink, our gods, our icons, it's a drink, it's a fix. Life's just gone to hell. Oh, I surrender. I'm, I, I, you know, I, I surrender. No. What's happened is that some part of me now derives a sensation of someone who has surrendered in order to get me through that moment so that I can go right back into the same life and have to do it again. And then I become a cynic. Surrender has nothing to do with a new identity. I'm going to say it again. Surrender has nothing to do with a new identity. Real surrender is the recognition that the problem begins with a false identity. That's what real surrender is. Because then I realize I have to give something up of myself, not get something because I'm surrendering. Do you understand? Yes. Surrendering isn't about receiving. Surrendering is about ending. Surrendering is about the beginning of a new start that doesn't begin where the old one left off. That's surrender. 
That's real spiritual health. Because in that moment, the condition used as the mirror that it is shows me the consciousness that set me up. I didn't know that. I had no idea that I was being set up. So how many times do I have to run into a setup before I realize I don't want that setup anymore and the only way that ends is when the consciousness that's busy setting the stage is recognized as, a, as something that is working against my best interest instead of for them. So all that you speak about in terms of surrender or even letting go, are they similar, those concepts? The concepts, I mean, the, the actual practice of saying, I su I'm surrendering this identity or letting go that who I thought I was. Okay, so we may have talked about this before, but for the sake of the listeners, yes. let's say that uh, I, I've been heating a bowl of nuts on my fireplace here. And I walk over and I'm busy thinking about the interview that I have to do. And I pick up, because I put the bowl of nuts there, I was only supposed to sit there for two minutes and I left it there for eight. And I walk over and I pick up this bowl of nuts. And what, what happens when I pick up a bowl of nuts that's been sitting on a fireplace for eight minutes? The thing is hotter than blazes, right? And do I pick it up and think to myself, you know, I need to surrender this bowl of nuts. Or is the instantaneous feedback of what is moving through me, which is my own body saying, drop that thing as quick as you can because you're harming my, yourself. That's exactly the parallel for what happens when we start to wake up. We'll realize that if I'm holding on to fear, I'm burning myself. But we don't see we're holding on to fear because fear is telling us there's valuable nuts in this bowl. <laughs> I don't know if you followed the, the metaphor, but I thought it was funny. Fear always says, here's the solution to fear. Surrender is the solution to fear. No, surrender isn't the solution to fear. Experiencing fear is something contradictory to my own well-being and then realizing I can't have that anymore. That's surrender, because then I have to give up Guy, who's attached to this bowl of nuts and all of the various uh, cashews that he loves inside of the nuts, meaning all of the possessions, all of these ideas. Or the metaphor is the best I could do on the spot. This is amazing. I mean, this is this is it. So we, we if we're in a dire situation where uh, there is a person I know virtually bankrupt and, and the fear and the anxiety that it causes, for example, is insane. So it's really what you're saying is surrender to that fear right? and it just experience rather the, the fear. I'm saying see that fear cannot help you. It hurts you. And if you're just willing to go that far, you will have an astonishing required spiritual shock. And the spiritual required shock is, I don't know how to get through this moment without listening to fear tell me what to do. Then I see it. Oh my God, in the proper sense of the word. I don't know who I am without fear as a guide. But I never thought fear was my God because my God was always telling me that somewhere downstream I wouldn't be afraid anymore. That's exactly what the various lower consciousness nature does all the time. But I have to see it, Raju. These yes. are the moments, the true crises in our lives that are, in quotes, the real opportunities. The opportunity to do what? 
see that I can no longer contribute to this life that Guy believes is going to bring this contentment. And to the extent that I can see it, I won't have to think to myself, should I give this up? Do I have to think to myself, drop the bowl of nuts? Do I? No. Nope. Do I drop it instantaneously? It's not that I won't be attracted to go pick it up again, as I will. <laughs> can't help myself. <laughs> I cannot help myself. But I'll, but each time I go through that, I, I, I gather a certain understanding that can't be gathered any other way. And gradually be, begin to understand this idea of I go before you to make the crooked places straight. There is an awareness, an intelligence, a divine life that will not compromise itself. Hmm. And then to the person who was talking about the sphere, <clears throat> if I can go on for a moment about that. Sure. Why do I fear any moment at all? Have you ever really thought about it, listeners, if anybody's still with us? <laughs> what? What? Why, why am I afraid of a moment? Um, um, why am I afraid of, first of all, it's a moment I imagine. Why am I afraid of any moment? Ever, ever asked to really drill down and thought about it, Raju? What makes me afraid of any given moment or anxious about any given moment? Any ideas? Oh, well, in that particular case, it was about, you know, uh, being on the streets or not having, you know, a bowl to, you know, what in and, and how am I going to make, how am I going to survive? Because my... I'm so wedded to my lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So who is this I? I'm afraid because I'm afraid of myself. I'm not afraid of the moment. I'm afraid of what the moment is going to bring up in me that I don't know about myself and that that very nature is telling me is inadequate. What if it's impossible for a man or a woman who at least is working to awaken to realize there's no such thing as being an inadequate human being? For us, adequacy is directly connected to competency, to the content of our life, possessions. That's what adequate is. It is a ceaseless comparison on the part of a consciousness divided up into what it believes it should be and what it fears it's not. What if we cut through all that dross, Raju, and recognize, you know what? Either God has made me a human being capable of receiving all that I need in the moment to go through the process of fulfilling the real purpose of my life, or there is no divine, and if there's no divine, what's the purpose of living? To be in a constant king of the hill competition with a world that's killing itself for the sake of that? No. Every human being is given perfect adequacy, which is perfect response, which is born of perfect revelation. And if we're in the place where we receive perfectly the realization of who and what we are in that moment, in that same moment, we transcend ourselves. We transcend the very consciousness that in its sleep created the condition. So therefore, a feast is prepared in the presence of my enemy. I become someone who's able to use the moment instead of used by it. And that's an endless process, a perfectly set table to give us everything that we need to be true to ourselves and those we love. Yeah. So you, you always keep coming back to the consciousness, and I think that's that is the the little key to unlock you know the reality of life that you're that you're that's flowing through you. It's where we it's it it is our our consciousness is presently the instrument of our experience of life, but it's not meant to be a governing experience. It's meant to be a reflective one, mm. so that instead of seeing the world outside of me. As something other than me, I'm able to recognize the world outside of me is showing me something about myself 
that I didn't know. That's one of the reasons I'm drawn to what I'm drawn to because I, 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 I'm, I'm educated through the process. I discover things about myself I didn't know were true. And I love it on the high side, mm -hmm. but you bring some moment that brings up the dark side, the low side of me, the things I don't want to know, then the problem's out there. So my joy is out there, but the problem clearly, it can't be me. Right. Oof. Well, we could go on and on. Um, I was going to say a little, little bit about the, the the bold conscious leadership, which is which is the movement that we began. Uh, me and my business partner, twenty twenty. Yes, and it's called it "How to Feel Free in a Restricted World." But business leaders have a wide sphere of influence, as I said, and impact. And if we can appeal to them, they can begin to raise their own level of consciousness or become more aware, which can then help kindle the people and the spirit around them, which includes. Yes. You know, at the organization level or whatever. So, wouldn't that be divine? Just so that people out there don't think to themselves, this just seems overwhelming. You catch for the first time a fear that you never saw before defining and confining you. And even if you're only able to be that much conscious of it and not give yourself to that fear that much, in that moment, you have changed the whole of that consciousness, not just in yourself, but in the world itself. It seems like it's so insignificant. I call it raindrops into rivers, the mm. way in which these tiny, minute willingness on our part to discover what is true about ourselves and be transformed according to that light that reveals what we did not know was true, so is everyone around me affected. And that can become literally a series of radiations producing a real change in this world. And by the way, the only way this world is really going to change is when you and I and those who are interested go to work directly understanding this consciousness so that we're no longer contributing to the madness. Instead, we're waking up to the insanity that we call our life and beginning to bring an end to our unconscious relationship with it to whatever degree we can in whatever measure possible. I'm going to take a deep breath on that note before I ask you a couple of questions from the audience. Um, Christina asks, what are some of the warning signs that a person is overwhelmed and losing their purpose? And number part B for that of that question is, how can you support a loved one who is going through this challenge? Well, we've been talking about the signs. Oh. Am I working out a conversation that I'm going to have with somebody tomorrow? I mean, I think that's natural and practical. <laughs> While I'm busy work, what has motivated me to work out this conversation? I'm not saying if you have a business, don't plan. Please, let's keep the psychological separate from the practical. If I, wh Why am I trying to figure out the right way to talk to you? Because <laughs> that's what everybody does. Can you not see the conflict in that? the pain in it. But see, I don't think that when I'm doing that. Why? Because something in me is telling me I need this to go this way so that I can get what I want so that you don't challenge me so that I don't become a, a wreck. I, I plan that kind of conversation out of fear. Mm. If I see that fear is planning, do you think fear plans anything but fear? You plant a lemon seed, you grow a lemon tree, man. So that's a sign. And I don't need to think about it. I just need to be present to it. 
So my attention becomes a very precious commodity. Right now, my attention belongs to everything that comes along and says, you need to attend to this. You need to attend to that. You need to attend to this conversation that's coming tomorrow. And so it's like having a thief on your front door knocking. You open it and you say, I just saw a guy run down the street with some of your possessions. You better go chase him. You go running after the thief that the thief points to. He comes into your house and loots you. Yeah. That's this consciousness. It's a constant shell game. So those are some of the signs. Be present. Just work to be present. Don't think to yourself, what does it mean? You can't think what does it mean to be present and be present. Just be where you are, seeing and experiencing yourself as you are. And then notice that something in you actually doesn't want to do that. It's very uncomfortable. Imagine it's uncomfortable being me. <laughs> I don't know who I am. That's why I have to have a future and a past. So that's one. Number two, be as true as you can. That's all any of us can do. Don't lie. Don't try to help people get through their negativity. Because if you look closely, the reason you're trying to help people get through their negativity is because you don't want to feel their negativity. Just be a real human being. And if your attempt to be a real human being shows you that you don't know how to be real, congratulations. You've just learned the first lesson. And then you'll have real interest in understanding that. Because for the first time in your life, you realize, I don't really know how to help somebody without a motive. Right. <laughs> you, can't, you, you can't help people if you have a motive because the motive is self-centered. You say, no, it's for the other person. No, it's not. I don't need a motive to be a true, kind, compassionate human being. I just need to be present enough to everything that isn't present, that has no compassion, that's busy trying to figure out how to gain an advantage or impress you. Love isn't a... Love is a love is a is a relationship, not two worlds trying to come together according to my idea of it. So be as true as you can. Don't lie. If you do that, you'll have a marvelous experience. And so will the person you're living with, because you'll be sitting there. How about this? It won't happen. I, I would love that it would, but how about this? Somebody's going through a crisis and you realize whatever it is that you do, you say, and say, you know, you know, I don't, I don't actually know what to do about this moment, but I do know one thing. I won't let negative reactions. I won't let fear. I won't let impatience. I won't let worry and anxiety tell me how to get through it. I won't. Not because I'm brave, not because I'm spiritual, but because I've seen for myself that if you have a false God, you will have a false world. It's that simple. And then you're right where you need to be, right where you need to be so that you can start going through this process of dying to yourself, real surrender. And then everything takes care of itself. How can I be shown, Raju, how can I be shown something that's true about myself unless there is something already waiting to show that to myself because I never saw it before? I can't show myself what's true about myself. That's impossible. Something needs to show me what is true about myself. And I need to be in my life where 
what is lighting it up reveals what is in the dark. That's again the passage. The light dwelleth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. I need that. Do that, and the thing that brought you to that moment will take you through that moment. Then you'll begin to build a real body of faith that it won't be you trying to figure out how to save yourself, but realizing that in the truest sense of the word, we are always being at least offered the opportunity to be saved from a consciousness that is destroying itself and taking us with it. Certainly very insightful, Gavin. There's nothing more for me to add to that, except like I feel, I feel everything you just said. Do you have time for a couple more quick questions? Yeah, I will say one more thing to that person, and this is for everybody. Yes. Because we always want, well, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do that? Yeah. Uh, if you want, write the word down, patience. P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E, patience. The original meaning of the word patience is deeply spiritual because in the original language, the original meaning of patience is to suffer yourself. That's the original meaning of patience, suffer yourself. No one today knows how to suffer themselves, let alone are willing to. I believe I suffer my partner. I believe I suffer, suffer a world that doesn't care about people. No, you suffer without knowing the reason you suffer. Patience will allow you to, instead of finding people to blame, places to go, things to do, to get rid of the pain, Patience will show you, I need to be present to this suffering, not try to escape it. Rumi said, the, the antidote is in the venom. The antidote is in the venom. The solution to the suffering isn't outside of you. It is in understanding the consciousness that creates the conflict responsible for that suffering. The solution is in the situation, not outside of it understand that, practice patience, you will be given revelation. Revelation will give you realization. Realization is transformation. There, you've said it. Uh, so, Guy, the, the Robert's, Robert's asking, so, so, Guy, you're saying that the use of the brain and the, and the right mind, what is its use if thinking is my, thinking is my enemy? I didn't say thinking yeah, you is your enemy. Yeah. Identification sets you against yourself because you are living from a consciousness that's divided against itself and doesn't know itself without identifying with something. So that this separation, this painful state of our, our being, we are, if everything is connected and everything is completing itself and nothing needs take thought for the sake of that circulation and the gradual confirmation of all that is good, if I'm outside of that circulation, what circulation am I in? I'm in a world of thought. I'm in a world of dreams. And that's what's circulating through me. And the more I'm cut off from that world, the more I suffer dying from it, from being cut off. So the solution isn't how do I connect myself to new thoughts? The connection is to see, if you will, I need to be connected to the real moment, to this business of life. So that in that business, I have a first and a foremost. Again, the, the word, in the Quran, <clears throat> put your faith in Allah, but tie up your camel. Nobody's saying, stop thinking. All we're saying is, can we examine the nature that thinks? If I can do that, then I'll start having some awareness of my own activity. 
and some say in whether or not I agree to be carried along by those thoughts, by those negative states. That's all I'm saying. All right, one last question uh, Chris is asking. Are there simple steps to a person can take to connect back to themselves? I think you kind of yes. answered that in different ways, but are there simple steps? Well, I'll, I'll give you one. We've been working at this at the foundation now online. Again, I invite people to join me online. It's free. Find me or Raju will tell you how to do it. Yeah, it'll be all in the notes. You know, uh, in the Far East, which I spent some time there, uh, you know, there are Sitas, there are these men and women who have acquired a certain level of spiritual attainment. And in quotes, when you get that attainment, you get Sitis, you get these powers. You can manifest for booty and heal and all these things that we're so fascinated with. Yeah. So I have, I, I'm going to give everybody here a CD. A power. You ready, Raju? Only this CD is this power, which is the practice, is not spelled S I D D H I. It is spelled, it's an acronym S D E, S D E, C D. Stop, drop, and explore. Stop, drop, and explore. The immediate onset of any resistance to a moment proves that I am in conflict with that moment, meaning proves that who I think I am is not being uh, confirmed by the world outside of me. So that's the essential conflict between the observer and the observed. Life isn't the way it's supposed to be. How do I know? Because I know. That's called hell. <clears throat> so stop. Feel the resistance when it comes up. Be aware of it. Wow, I'm anxious. Wow, I'm afraid. I can feel this. That's resistance. Drop. The minute you come to a stop, you'll start experiencing the movement of all of this thought and feeling. Stop, and you will become aware of everything that wants to move you. But if you drop that, meaning you allow that to realize, no, this is moving through me, then I'm going to explore the movement itself. I'm going to explore the consciousness that all of this movement, all of this reflection is passing into and through. And then I become a legitimate discoverer of all that I'm actually being given in that moment for the purpose of fulfilling the real purpose of my life. Stop, drop, explore. You can't fail. You attempt it, you'll discover something. You discover something you'll want to know more about what you didn't know before. That's called the upward spiral. Wow. I can literally talk to you forever. Okay. <laughs> you know, well, we can have other conversations. At another time, we can have. Of course. One of your recent quotes uh, that I, uh, that I obviously get your daily, daily words and daily meditation is that every search for a solution to the, to the suffering you feel begin in the unlit corners of your own consciousness. I mean, that's the essence of exactly. what you've been talking about. And soon you'll never again wonder why you feel the worries, fear, and the bitterness that you do. And it's just, I think it's so, so well encapsulates and embodies all that you've talked about today. So I appreciate everyone being here. If they're still here uh, watching or listening, um, you can find Guy Finley's you know, unbelievable wisdom on guyfinley.org uh, or lifeoflearningfoundation.org. 
and we'll put all this in in the notes uh, wherever you, uh, in on LinkedIn live as well as on YouTube and hopefully we'll get Facebook audience a recording of some sort since they since they missed it and uh, yeah, and just to guyfinley.org forward slash let go or forward slash classes take you right to where you can learn about my free online talks nothing to join just yeah. come and let's do what Raju and I did for the last hour and 15 minutes which is let's discover let's explore let's see what's true then we can start to act on that knowledge instead of just saying yeah I get it we can become other we can realize all that we've been given and the more we realize what we've been given, the freer we are to stop trying to give ourselves what really never gives us anything but more heartache. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for joining, and um, look forward to staying in touch. Okay, Raju, you be good. I really hope you enjoyed this episode today. We strive to bring you conversations that make you think, reflect, and perhaps inspire you to take even one little step in your path towards personal growth and greater wisdom. Please download the show or the podcast episode that you just heard and leave us a comment so that we can continue to bring you meaningful and relevant topics in the future. Take care and thank you so much.